been uh, we've been talking about the Holy Spirit, the gifts and ministries of the Holy Spirit. But do you know that today, <laughs> on the way to church, um, I think it was Brandon was asking someone if they had any of the messages that I have preached um, when I have preached co just. That I have preached just on the subject of supernatural increase. And, um, you know, I do have a bunch of recordings. And uh, they're in my office. If you'll bring me a thumb drive, I will transfer them over for you. But you know what I thought we would do tonight? Is that I would teach on uh, the subject of supernatural increase and kind of just give the, uh, a little bit of it. Now, I know some of you have heard me talk about this before. But I think it's important for us to understand what the Word of God says concerning these things. And I know that there are lots of you that are believing. How many of you are believing to involve the Lord in every part of your life? And a lot of times we don't, you know, because, 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 oh, because, 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 <laughs> because of the wonderful things he does. Um, <laughs> <laughs> You know, uh, sometimes watching television preachers is like watching um, a reality TV. It's not really real. Uh, <laughs> um, not, that the, not that those people aren't real, and it's not that those folks don't love God, but there is an aspect of television ministry that, has to, that, that requires it to be entertaining and sometimes requires it to be controversial, you know, or, you know, something along those lines, or... Not so controversial. But anyway, and so sometimes the thoughts and the ideas that we have concerning the Word of God and what the Bible has to say about finances, a lot of times our minds are cluttered with the stuff that we've heard people say. Maybe we've heard television preachers. We've heard people talk about television preachers, uh, te televangelists. <laughs> televangelists are only uh, seen maybe just, uh, maybe, maybe they're seen as a little bit worse than the lawyers. But anyway... Um, I've met some people that, some evangelists that are uh, on television, and I've sat under ministries of people, and I'm going to, I'll tell you this, God, all God's people are awesome, and uh, we're jacked up, but God's people are the best. Um, God's people are, God's people are the best. No matter how jacked up we are, God's people are the best. And uh, so even, even some people that have given us some ideas concerning what the Bible says about finance. So supernatural increase. I call it supernatural increase because, um, you know, God wants to bless us in every area of our life, not only our finances, but it also, uh, his blessing is included uh, in, uh, you know, salvation. The word salvation in the, in the New Testament is the Greek word soteria or soteria. The closest word to salvation in the Hebrew language or in the Old Testament is the word shalom. Now, we think that the word shalom just means peace, but the word shalom is much more than just peace. Just like salvation is much more than just the forgiveness of sins. Salvation or soteria or soteria, however you want to pronounce it, uh, salvation or soteria, soteria, the uh, Greek word, uh, salvation is this. It's the all-inclusive all-encompassing, and this is the Ziggy-fied definition, the, 
the all-inclusive, all-encompassing, whole ball of wax blessing of God that will permeate every part of your life if you allow it to. So salvation isn't just about the forgiveness of sin. And we know that when Jesus died on the cross, uh, when Jesus came and he died, it wasn't just the forgiveness of sins that was being provided to us through his death, burial, and resurrection. But it was also healing. It was deliverance. You know, Jesus, in fact, Jesus said it. Uh, uh, go to the book of Luke chapter 4. Book of Luke chapter 4. And uh, we'll read a verse of scripture that I think all of us are familiar with. Luke chapter 4. And so I'm giving you the heads up. I'm going to talk about what the Bible says concerning, a little bit concerning finances. Uh, but I don't want you to get nervous because uh, <laughs> I don't need your money. Amen. Thank God. Hallelujah. So Luke chapter 4, it says, uh, it's in verse, uh, look like verse 16. It says this. And he came to Nazareth where he'd been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and he stood up for to read. And there was delivered to him the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he'd opened the book, he found the place where it was written. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me. He hath anointed me. Say, say that with me. Say, Jesus was anointed. So now here's why he was anointed, to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captive, the recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And so in a nutshell, in those verses of scripture, Jesus was telling everyone why he had come. So salvation isn't just about the forgiveness of sins. It's about the healing of brokenness. It's about the recovery of sight to those that have been blinded. Amen. Setting at liberty them that are bruised. Declaring the acceptable year of the Lord. Amen. So there's, there's a whole lot uh, that comes with salvation. So salvation uh, and the power of, uh, of that salvation can transform every aspect and every part of your life. For a married couple, it can transform your marriage. Amen. Uh, for a family, it can transform your family. For a, uh, 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 if you're uh, employed by the state of Oklahoma, it can transform your employment. It can, it can transform the, the environment in which you work. Salvation is, salvation is powerful. Amen. And, uh, but it, uh, salvation can also transform you in the area of your finances. And so first thing Jesus said in this verse of scripture was that he was anointed to preach the gospel to the poor. <laughs> what is the gospel? Do you know what the gospel is? Good news. Thank you. The gospel is good news. So when you see the word gospel, the gospel's good news. So what's good news to poor people? You don't have to be poor no more. Amen. That's gets good. I mean, Think about, think about this verse. You know, that's the, that's the last thing the religious mind, though, wants to, wants to see in that verse of Scripture. You know, we, we look, we see this. In fact, one time I went, I went to Guthrie uh, to preach at a church. Um, I can't remember the name of the church. I, sometimes it's hard for me to remember names of churches, but I always remember the names of the pastors. And uh, Pastor Hans was the pastor of this church at the time. And he invited me to come. In fact, he invited me to come on Facebook. I'd never met him, but he asked me if I would come on Facebook to a minister 
at this church in Guthrie. So I went. Now, I, I didn't know what to expect. Uh, when I got there, it was, it was, uh, it was a tough place. <laughs> the, church was a, the church was a pretty, ba- pretty, pretty bad mess. And anyway, the Lord spoke to me to preach on this verse of Scripture. And the way he told me to preach it was to preach on the fact that Jesus came preaching the gospel to the poor. And so when you look at the verse, usually I break this verse down this way. So it says he came to, go back up to verse uh, uh, 18. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. Usually I'll break this verse down this, this way. It says, he sent me to heal the brokenhearted. So what did Jesus come to do for the brokenhearted? He came to heal them. Amen. Now, why did Jesus come to heal the brokenhearted? I mean, this isn't a trick. These aren't trick questions. This is, you know, the, you know, the, the Bible, the Bible um, really does make sense. God, God's not schizophrenic. God's not wild and God's not, uh, he, God doesn't talk. One time Benny Hinn said he was, he was at a, uh, somewhere and a woman came up, started tapping, tapping him on the shoulder. And he's like, what are you doing, woman? She says, I'm giving you a word from the Lord. He said, you're tapping on my shoulder. She said, the Lord speaks to me in Morse code. <laughs> Listen, I've got news for you. God, God will talk to you in whatever way you can hear him. He's not going to go to talking to you in ways that you can't. Amen. I mean, it's, God's a good God. He's not, God's not an idiot. And so, so, <laughs> so he came, Jesus came to heal the broken. Why did he come to heal the brokenhearted? Because if you're brokenhearted, you need healing. Because the opposite of broken is what? Healed. Wholeness. Amen. Amen. Makes sense, right? He came to heal the broken. Because if you're broken, you need a healing. He came to proclaim liberty to the captives. Now let me ask you this. Why did Jesus come to liberate the captives? Because if you're captive, you need liberty. <laughs> it's, not, it's not rocket science, right? So are you seeing a pattern here? You're, you're seeing a pattern, right? How many of you know that when you... Remember, remember, remember when you was in school and they give you a piece of paper and they give you, a, they give you three little pictures and then the fourth picture, they leave something out of it and they say, find the pattern, right? What's missing? Find the pattern. You just got to look at the pattern and then fill in the pattern. We've been doing this since kindergarten. And you know, there are patterns that the Bible gives us that if we will follow the pattern, we'll understand what God wants, what God's trying to say, what God has for us. Amen. So he came, very, very, very simple. He came to heal the broken because if you're broken, you need healing. He came to bring liberty to the captives because if you're captive, you need liberty. Look at the, look at the next part. Go figure. Go figure. He came to bring recovery of sight to the Why? Well, because if you're blind... You need seeing. <laughs> this is very simple anyway. I mean, this is now, now, but here's the thing. Here's what you need to understand. In, in John 10, 10, go to John 10, 10 real quick and then come back here, Joe. 
John 10.10. 10. <laughs> y'all will recognize this here in a second. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. But I have come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Now, Jesus said the thief cometh not but for to what? To steal. Now, we know that's true, right? The thief cometh not but for to steal, to kill. We know that's true. And to destroy. Now, we believe the thief is the devil, which he is. Don't get me wrong. So the thief is the devil. We know the devil comes to steal. Now, when the, when the, Bible, when the Bible says, uh, when the Bible talks about the enemy stealing something in the New Testament, when Jesus was teaching, he gave a parable one time, and he gave a parable of how the word of God is like a seed, that when it was sown, it brought forth uh, a harvest. When it was sown in the thorns, the thorn, remember that? When it was sown on hard ground, when it was sown certain ways, and, and then when it, when it was sowed in good soil, it brought forth fruit 30, 60, and 100 fold. But Jesus said something during that, during that teaching. He said this, the devil comes immediately to try to steal the word. And that was, that was the, uh, the birds, that the birds would come. And take the seed. He said the devil comes immediately to steal the word. So the devil will try to steal the word. But I want you to know something about this particular verse. When Jesus was speaking that about the thief, if, if you go back and you read the end of chapter 9, the entirety of the beginning of chapter 10, you find out that Jesus wasn't, wasn't talking uh, directly about the devil when he was talking about the thief. In fact, the thief he was talking about were the Pharisees. He said he was talking to the Pharisees about him being the way, about him being the gate, about him being the door, about him being the way to God. And he said this, he said, anyone who tries to come any other way, looking at the Pharisees, and this is what the Bible says, he was looking at the Pharisees, he says, Anyone who tries to come another way is a thief and a robber. And he was talking to them because they were trying to come a different way. And so he was talking to them about their religion. So the thief that Jesus was really talking about was the thief of religion. The thief of religion comes not but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Listen, religion will rob you of everything... You, Religion and uh, religiosity and religious tradition will rob you of everything that God is trying to get to you. Now, I know some people say, well, I thought I was religious. Well, that, that, that all depends. You know, religious, religion is men trying to get to God. Uh, I like to think that I'm not religious, but I have a relationship. Amen. I don't have to try to figure it out. The Bible has already figured it. How many of you know God's already figured it all out? All I have to do is obey his word. That's all you have to do. Amen. But people, people will latch on to things that the word of God doesn't say 
uh, in order to try to please God. Do you know there was a time in Pentecostal charismatic churches, or not charismatic churches, but Pentecostal, spirit-filled churches, Pentecostal churches, when uh, they taught women that they shouldn't cut their hair. That a woman shouldn't cut her hair because, uh, because there was a scripture that said uh, that women ought to keep their hair and, and be their hair uh, long and whatnot because uh, their, their heads ought to be covered. It was pleasing uh, to the Lord. This and that. I'm sorry. It was their glory. And uh, that men should not have prayed with their heads covered so men couldn't have long hair. Denny, you're doing it right. <laughs> <clears throat> According to me, this brother here, you got it straight. He got it straight. Brandon, we're on our way. Amen. We're on our way. <clears throat> but, <laughs> but religious tradition taught that if a woman cut her hair, that she wasn't holy. And so they wouldn't, there, there was whole entire denominations where women went around, they never cut their hair. Man, I, I went to some of them churches, some of them Pentecostal churches. Man, when the Holy Ghost would fall in them churches, those women would get to shouting, and man, they, they, they'd, get, they'd get to swinging that hair around. Shoo, boy. Listen, they got the siren. It's like a Pentecostal helicopter. Man, I'm telling you, you had to watch out. A, a bobby pin shrapnel, man. I mean, they'd shake them bobby pins down, and, and they'd whip that hair around. I mean, you'd have to wear eye protection. You'd get your eye whipped out of your face, you know? Uh, Annie and I, we used to go, uh, when, it, when we were dating, I'd be preaching at some of those Pentecostal churches, and man, some of them girls be whipping their hair around. We'd leave, and Annie'd be like, is that the Lord? You know, some of it really is. You know, some of it, uh, people are just getting over in the presence of God. Some of it is. I'm... I know some of you are like, I don't know about that. That's okay. <laughs> well, Ted, you, you're doing it right. You don't have your head covered. So anyway. <clears throat> but, but then here's, here's what they said. You know what? Women, if, if God intends for their head to be covered, then they ought to dress modestly as well. And so, but who made up the rules of modesty? Well, men did. And so men started telling women that they had to have long sleeves and long skirts. Then all of a sudden, not only could they not cut their hair on their head, they couldn't cut any hair on their body. So if you were holy, you had to have fuzzy legs and armpits. And, and so, you know, it was, it was, that, that, was, that was religion. And so men, men would come to church with their wives and their wives looked more like their mother than they did their wives. Of course, if you were a man, you could dress like a pimp. I mean, them men be coming to church and they was all pimped out. But the woman, man, they was all homely. It's like, dear God, you couldn't wear makeup. You couldn't wear ear bobs. Uh, ear, that's what they called them, ear bobs. Earrings, chandeliers in your ears. You couldn't wear makeup. You couldn't chew gum. If you, if you chewed gum, you was going to hell. Um, you couldn't, open-toed shoes, couldn't wear jewelry, couldn't wear, you, women couldn't wear britches, they couldn't wear long pants. That's, you know what? That was religion, and that, you know what that thief was trying to do? Steal, kill, and destroy. You know, you know what else, you know what else came out of that? Those same people, now listen, I know, me, I know most of you here don't agree with any of that, because I'm looking at you. Some of you women, I can tell you far forget. You you rolled up in here with your long pants on. You came up in here. You put some. You you you, you have your, your war paint on, and and uh, I mean you're ready to go. You know what I'm saying? And you're yeah. You yeah. You colored your hair. 
You know, hair coloring, that was another thing sent you to hell. But anyhow, <laughs> I, you can tell we've been delivered. Amen. <laughs> we've been delivered. <laughs> but you know, one thing we, that people still yet in the body of Christ haven't been delivered of, there was another mindset that came out of that old religious tradition. And that was that in order to be holy, you had to be poor. Because God didn't want you to have nothing. And here's the scriptures that they would use. Uh, it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. And so we're not supposed to, we're not supposed to receive nothing. We're just supposed to give. Because it's more blessed to give than to receive. You know, you know the other scriptures they use? You can't serve God and mammon. You know what other scripture they'd use? Uh, the, they would, well, they wouldn't quote it right, but they'd say, money is the root of all evil. You can't serve God, man. You got to either love one or, and, and hate the other or, you know, uh, grab onto one and despise the other. You can't serve God and mammon. But here's the thing. Uh, the Bible doesn't say nothing about serving God and having money. It says you can't serve God and serve money. But you can serve God and have money if you don't serve the money. You know, you don't have to have money to serve money. <laughs> them, them same people that said you had to be poor to be holy, they were the ones that didn't show up to church on Wednesday because they was working. Yeah, well, you have. Some people have to. I know. <laughs> Friends like, yes, we had to, brother. <laughs> I get it. I get it. I get it. <laughs> so that religion, that religious spirit tried to put in the minds and in the hearts of God's people that we ought to, that somehow or another, we're supposed to be, Jesus was poor. If Jesus was poor, we're supposed to be poor. That was their, that's their thinking, right? Now, where did we get that Jesus was poor? You know how we got what Jesus was poor? Jesus was poor. And if you listen to people, Jesus was poor because he wasn't, he wasn't born in a palace. Uh, glory to God. Uh, he wasn't born like a prince. Uh, amen. Uh, but he was born uh, in a manger. Amen. Uh, wrapped in swaddling clothes. Glory to God. He didn't have a robe, uh, a, a, a priestly, uh, a kingly robe. Uh, he didn't have no crown, uh, but he was surrounded with hay and with stubbles and with cows and with sheep. <laughs> and Jesus was poor. That's what they said. Jesus was poor. They said Jesus was homeless. Because he said this one time, he said, foxes have holes and birds have nests, but the son of man has no place to lay his head. Poor homeless, shopping cart pushing, living in a cardboard box, Jesus. Poor will work for food, Jesus. Poor anything helps, Jesus. Isn't that the mindset that, that religion, that's religion. But you know what the Bible says? The Bible says this. 
And over in, over in Corinthians, it says this. It says, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, that though he was rich. Now, I just want to say that for a second. Because you never hear, you never hear religion say that. Though he was rich. Though he was rich. Though he was rich. See, it's hard for us to even let it hit our ears or, or come off of our tongue. Though he was rich. Did you put it up there? There it is. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich. Who was rich? Jesus was rich. Now, here's what you want. Here's what religion. Well, yes, he was rich in mercy. He was rich in grace. That's not what it says. In fact, you, you want to go back, Joe. Roll, roll that back to verse 1. Again, now, we, we saw a pattern in that verse of Scripture in, in Luke. We'll, I'll get back there. I'm just trying to shoot some religious cows here. <laughs> Super, for supernatural, for God's provision to work in your life, the first thing you have to do is you have to be fully persuaded that it's his plan to prosper you. Amen. If you allow any religious garbage to persuade you otherwise, then when it comes time for God to bless you, the devil will push your buttons and pull your levers and cause you to misalign yourself with what God wants to do and you will miss out on God's blessing in your life. All right? So that, here's the deal. You have to deal with religious minds, wrong religious minds. Now listen, I'm, I'm going through those mindsets because I want you to, I want you to hear them out loud. Because most of you, you don't, you don't say them out loud. You just secretly uh, play them back in your mind. You know, and, you know, and you know what the source of that nonsense is? The same ones that told women to be fuzzy. The same ones that said women shouldn't shave their legs, shouldn't cut their hair, shouldn't wear pants. Shouldn't, you shouldn't have no mixed bathing. You can't go to the movie theater. You can't chew gum. Essentially, you can't do anything fun or you'll go to hell. They're the same ones that told us that God wanted us poor and broke. That Jesus was poor. And here we are in the year 2023, 20, and many of us, we didn't even grow up in that nonsense. But that religion has been passed down from generation to generation. And some of you struggling, oh, come on now. Listen, you, you hear someone talk about God's blessing financially, and immediately you think they're trying to extort money from you. You know what I'm trying to do here today? I'm trying to get you free from religion. Free from the bondage that keeps you from getting over into, from leaving. God wants to take you out of the land of barely enough. And he wants to move you over into the land of more than enough. Amen. Glory to God. Glory to God. Ha, 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 ha. Oh, Hallelujah. All right. So. I'll get back to Luke here in a second. But again, let's look at what, let's not just take what religions, let's look at the Bible. Amen. So we just looked at Jesus. We, we, what did they tell us? He was poor. He was born in a manger. He wasn't born in a palace. He wasn't born with a crown on his head. He wasn't born with a silver spoon in his mouth. And they're right, they're right. 
about that. They're right about him not being born with a silver spoon in his mouth. He had a, he, when Jesus, amen, I'll, I'll, I'll save that for a second. But anyway, <laughs> Corinthians said he was rich. Some people say, yeah, but he was rich in different ways. It wasn't money. All right, let's let the Bible speak for itself. Let's see the context of this verse of scripture. Let's see if it was talking about riches in uh, grace and mercy. And let, let's see if that's what it was talking about. Moreover, brethren, we make known to you the grace of God. Now, for you know, remember this verse started out, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus, right? That though he was rich. So here's that same word, grace again. For we make known to you the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. Well, let's find out what that grace is. Next verse. That in great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded in the riches of their liberality. Now, that, that, that verse is full of crazy stuff. First of all, in great trial of affliction, they abounded in joy. That is an oxymoron. When in the world has anyone abounded in joy during great trials of affliction? It doesn't happen in the natural. It only happens when God gets involved. The only way you can get over in joy in great trial of affliction is if God's grace is involved. Now, now notice this. And their deep poverty abounded in the riches of their liberality. Another oxymoron. When you're broke, you don't want to give nothing away. Believe me, I know. But the Bible says that the Macedonian church, because of God's grace, because of God's work, they, in their poverty, became extremely liberal, liberal in, their, in their giving. Now, 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 I know it's giving because the next verse, look what it says. For I bear witness that according to their ability, yes, and beyond their ability, they were freely willing, next verse, imploring us with much urgency that we sh would receive the gift and the fellowship of the ministering to the same. In other words, they, the Macedonians, when they were in poverty, begged Paul to be able to give an offering for other saints. So the subject here is money. It's offering. Next verse. And not only as we had hoped, but they first gave themselves to the Lord and then to us by the will of God. We're, listen, we're talking about people that were going through a great trial of affliction. People that were in poverty.
This ought to tell you something. Do you know God has always, God has always drawn the poor to himself? Maybe that's why Jesus came preaching the gospel to the poor. The anointing has always attracted people. In fact, King David, back in the Old Testament, after he was anointed to be king, the anointing of God was on him, and he went and hid in the cave of Adullam. Remember that? He acted like a crazy man. If you don't remember it, go, you can look it up. He went and hid himself in the cave of Adullam. He, he, he had foamed at the mouth and acted crazy and went into the cave. And the Bible says this. The Bible says, And all those that were in distress... And all those that were in debt and all those that were discontent drew themselves unto David. Do you know why they did that? Because the anointing attracts the distressed, the in debt, and the discontented. I know you've never thought about this, but do you know the lack of money caused all three of those things? Lack of finance caused distress. Lack of finance causes debt. Lack of finance can cause discontentment. Do you know that those men that were distressed in debt and discontent later became David's mighty men? And every one of them were delivered from their distress, their debt, and their discontentment. And they became the strongest, the mightiest. There's a reason why they was called David's mighty men. Because they were the strongest, they were the most powerful, they were the most influential, they were the most wealthy people in the kingdom. Amen. Because the Lord brought them out of there, because the anointing destroys the yoke. Are y'all with, are y'all, are y'all, Am I moving too slow? All right. Are you getting this? Hey, every now and again, just laugh. Just be like, ha, ha, ha. The, de- the devil uh, hates it. Amen. So, so go back to that verse 5. They gave to themselves and then gave to us by the will of God. So you're talking about people that were distressed. Great trial of affliction. In debt, the Bible says they were impoverished. Listen, when you are in deep poverty, you owe somebody. You understand what I'm saying? If you're in deep poverty, you owe somebody. <laughs> Boy, I am preaching. <laughs> and you know good and well that in the natural they was discontent. But the grace of God. But the grace of, say the grace of God. The great, the the unmerited favor, the undeserved, listen, grace can't be earned. Grace has to be received. You are not going to earn God's grace. You don't deserve it. That's what makes it beautiful. That it's not based on your performance. It's not based on how much you prayed. It's not based on how much you read your Bible. It's not based on your good deeds. It's not based on whether you made it to Wednesday or not. Sometimes I wish it was, but it's not. 
I wish I could hold that over people's heads sometime. You ever notice that anytime you hang stuff over people, anytime, anytime you motivate people outside of grace, it always ends up in the ditch. When, we, when we're, we're about to have an outreach Saturday. It doesn't matter how much I do this. I try to encourage everyone in our leadership team to make sure that they motivate people to participate in outreach based on loving Jesus. Sharing the love of... Listen, everyone here need to listen to what I'm about to say. Having people to participate in the outreach based on the love that we have for Jesus. The love that Jesus has for people. But do you know what some of us want to do? And, and you know what? It always ends up in the ditch. We want to guilt people into coming. I really need your help. I've got to have you. You got to. You know what? If, if you don't help, it ain't nobody going to help me. That's why don't nobody want to help you. Don't nobody want to help you because you're guilting them into... Do I need to throw a ball at somebody? Isn't that right? Isn't that how we... And you know what? That's what we default to when we get out of grace. When we get out of that place of God's abundant favor and God's love and we get away from His Word, then we try to guilt people into helping us. Well, I guess, I guess we'll have to do it ourselves. Oh, yeah, have fun too. Ain't nobody going to guilt me into nothing. Right. Now, but here's the deal. If you go to telling people, here's the deal, and this is the, this is the truth. We have an opportunity for the Lord to use us to be salt and light in a dying world. To be a city set on a hill that can't be hidden. We can let our light so shine before men that they see our good works and glorify our Father which is in heaven. If me carrying one table over to an outreach provides an opportunity for one, then bless God, I want to be a part of it. Amen. It's the truth. Well, I don't have no help. Well, that's unfortunate. But my help comes from, amen, thank God. We don't realize that when we do it our way, it just, it just increases the difficulty. But when we do it God's way, when we open up that door to Him, it opens up the floodgates for God to do what God can do. All of a sudden now we have that. Listen, God wants, God's just looking for you to trade your stuff for His. And guess what? You're getting the better deal. Because <laughs> according to Scripture, everything that we have is trash. But everything that He, every good and perfect gift, Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> Woo. So glory to God. So the, the distressed, the in debt, the discontented gave themselves first to the Lord and then gave what they had. They gave an offering. I guarantee they didn't give it with the idea that 
maybe if I give this, then next time they take up an offering, they'll give it to us. No, they abounded in joy. It was because of God's goodness and God's grace. It was because of an understanding on their part that if they opened up the door to God's grace, that, there would, that he would supply all that they had need of, according to his riches. Next verse. <clears throat> so we urge Titus, not our Titus, but uh, <laughs> I'm not sure we could trust our Titus with this. <laughs> anyway, but we, no, no, we could. We could trust. So, <laughs> so we. <laughs> we could trust Titus, couldn't we, Cherie? She's like, I don't know, man. <laughs> so, so if, as long as you're with him. <laughs> so, so, so we urge Titus that as he had begun, so he should also complete this grace in you as well. Next verse. But as you abound in everything, in faith and speech and knowledge and diligence, and in your love for us, see that you abound in this grace also. Well, what grace is that? Well, the grace of the, the, the Macedonian church talked. The, the, the Macedonian church was, okay. What, what, uh, what grace? Go ahead. See that you abound in this grace also. Next verse. I speak not by commandment, but I am testing the sincerity of your love by the diligence of others. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, Jesus was loaded. Now, some people say, yeah, he was loaded when he was in heaven, but when he came to earth, he got poor. No, Jesus wasn't poor. He, would, he wasn't born in a manger because he was poor. He was born in a manger because there was no room in the inn. Period. If they'd have been able to get a room, they'd have got a room. But there was no room. So they slept in a manger. Had nothing to do with poverty. Had to do with the lack of rooms. Heck, I've slept in my truck, but not because I was homeless. But because there's no room in the end. In fact, I had to sleep in the same truck with Ted, and it was not comfortable. One night, I thought I was going to have to sleep in the airplane. Walnut Ridge, Arkansas, in the middle of a thunderstorm. Fun, fun, fun. Because there was nobody at the airport, you know. It was <laughs> Jesus wasn't poor. Uh, Jesus, in fact, the Bible says when Jesus was born, that these wise men saw his star. In you remember that? They saw his star. These and when they saw the star, what does the Bible say? Those wise men gathered together gold, frankincense, and myrrh. The three most valuable commodities on planet earth at the time. And it wasn't three wise men. It was three gifts. It wasn't like a black man, a white man, and an Asian man. I don't know why they leave the Hispanics out all the time. You know, I, I, I want to I modify the nativity. I want to put like a sombrero or something on one. 
on one of them, you know, there's some bullets across the chest or something. <laughs> you ever know that's crazy? It wasn't three wise men. In fact, there were so many. You know, the wise men were uh, astrologers. Astrologers. They weren't. They weren't. They weren't Christian. They weren't godly people. They studied the stars, but not astronomy, astrology. And so they got together gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Why did they do that? Y'all remember? It's not, it's not your question. Why did those wise men get that gift together? Because they were going to go and take it to who? To the king. Who's the king? I <laughs> said, so wait a minute. Jesus is born, and the minute he's born, God's get, God gets him a bunch of gold, frankincense, and myrrh together. He hadn't hit one nail in one wall. He hadn't erected one building as a carpenter. He hadn't built one chair. He hadn't built one table. He hadn't built one house. He hadn't put up one fence. He is a baby. And because he was born, come on, y'all. Now, see, some of you are like, oh, it must have been nice. Jesus, gee, poor Jesus, must be nice to be Jesus. <laughs> Wait a minute. You know, the, Jesus, Jesus said something about us. He said this. You remember when he started talking just before he said, you can't serve God and mammon? Jesus was talking to his disciples, and he said, he said, um, <laughs> he said, consider, uh, you know what, uh, is it cold, mama? Are you cold? <laughs> Boy, she's she taking over the pastoral authority right now in the name of Jesus. <laughs> Joe, find those verses of scripture. I think it's a Matthew of... Oh, I can't remember the chapter, but anyhow, uh, consider the lilies, consider the grass, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, <laughs> glory to God. Is this coming together for y'all? So find that, and while you're finding that, I'm going to say this. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, though he was rich, so Jesus had this uh, offering that was being delivered to him by these wise men. Do you know that... Uh, uh, the nativity is a little bit off. Uh, they didn't find Jesus as a, as a baby, as an infant. It wasn't until a couple years later. He was probably two or three years old. He was already probably uh, stumbling around here like some of the kids in this church and um, probably, you know, running around a pole, uh, dancing around and singing. And, but they found him. So if they found him, what do you think happened to that offering? They gave it. They gave it to Jesus. Do you know most scholars believe, and I don't, here's the thing. How they can believe that Jesus was poor at the same time. That's, see, that's what religion will do. Religion will make you say crazy stuff. Stuff that don't even make sense. Because you'll hear these Bible scholars talk, expound on this. They'll say, you know, um, 
It is estimated that that offering that those wise men brought to Jesus was enough to take care of Jesus and his whole family for the entirety of his life. But then they'll say he was homeless. Then they'll talk about him being poor. What about that homeless thing? What about foxes have holes? Do you know when, when Jesus said foxes have holes, birds have nests, he wasn't talking about not having a house. In fact, you can read in the Gospels where one time a, a, the disciples went to Jesus' house. It was, what he was talking about was this. He was in this world, but he's not of this world. Everybody else belongs here, but he don't belong here. Foxes have holes, birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place. I'm, not, I'm just passing through. I'm a stranger and a pilgrim in this land. I'm just on my way through. All right. Uh, so go back one verse, Joe. Next, go back. Back. Um, back one more. Back one more, and then we'll go from there. Uh, now no, go, go to the next one. I mean, 24, 24. Okay. No one can serve two masters for either he will hate one, love the other, or else he will be loyal to one and despise the other. You can't serve God and mammon or you can't serve God and money. Therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life. Turn to someone, tell them, don't worry about your life. So here, the reason why I brought this up, because some of you immediately, when I said Jesus was taking care of, oh man, Jesus was taking care of his whole life that this offering came, you're like, yeah, it must have been nice to be Jesus. That's because it was Jesus. Well, look what Jesus said to us. Therefore, I say to you, don't worry about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink, nor about your body. What you will put on is not life more than food and the body more than clothing. Next verse. Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Next verse. Which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? Next verse. So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? Now, why would he need to clothe you if you're clothing yourself? You know, one time I bought a car. The Lord, uh, I, the Lord had, had blessed somebody with a car later on after I bought this car. I bought this car, and the Lord blessed somebody with a car. I said, the Lord bless you with that car? What are your payments? They said, no payments. The Lord blessed me with this car. God gave me this car, free and clear. I was like, man. So I was like, Lord, sure would be nice if you got me one of them cars. You know what the Lord said to me? He said, I'd get you one, but you keep buying one for yourself. You keep figuring out how you're going to do it. 
then you go through the process of getting it done. I know, listen, I know, maybe I shouldn't have started with that. Because car, you know, to people is real big. But honestly, in the sight of God, I mean, a car today is a basic necessity. A car today is a basic necessity. If you need a car, you ought to ask God for one. You know why? Because the Bible says he is the supplier of everything that you have need of according to his riches and glory. Amen. According to this verse of scripture, he's, he's saying he wants to take care of you. Next verse, Joe. Therefore, do not worry saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? Next verse. For after all these things, the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you... Just like he knew Jesus would need all of that, he knows everything that you're going to need. Oh, listen, y'all ought to be getting happy. You know why you ought to be getting happy? Because all this stuff that you're freaking out about, God isn't freaking out about it at all. You know, heaven isn't up in arms about taking care of you. Heaven isn't trying to figure out how they're going to take care of Lewis. How are we going to do it? God ain't trying to figure it out. You know what? Before Lewis ever came along, God knew everything Lewis would ever have need of. He knew every battle, every difficulty that he would face. He knew every mistake he would. He, he, God already knew what he was going to have to bail Lewis out of. See, some of you think just because you did yourself that way that God won't help you out. Listen, that's... A, <laughs> God loves us. Now, I'm not saying we live recklessly. We just go and do crazy stuff. But when you, when you live for him, when you love him, when you serve him, when you trust him, when you're looking to follow him, he will help you. Next verse, Joe. But seek first the kingdom of God, his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. So we got to get out of a religious mindset. We've got to get a kingdom mindset. We've got to seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness. And everything else will be added to us. Amen. Thank God. So we got to do it God's way. Say do it God's way. That, that means that we're not the ones who... Det- Listen, when you go to feeling guilty because God blessed you with something and someone else went without... I I see people do that stuff all the time. I kind of feel bad, you know, because uh, Lord blessed me so much and and I know that so-and-so is really going through a rough time. God's no respecter of persons. God doesn't favor you more than he favors anybody else. Guess what? So-and-so, the one that you feel sorry for, they get... Here's, I'm, I'm going to tell you all something. I hope you don't get mad at me. I don't feel sorry for y'all. I don't feel sorry for none of y'all. I, don't, I never, when I'm preaching to people, I don't feel sorry for nobody. You know why? Because he's the same God for them as he is for me. What he did for me, he'll do for them. What he did for me, he'll do for you. If he did it for me, he'll do it for you. Now, if you don't walk it out, 
All I can do is tell you the truth. Will there be difficulties? Will you, will you have obstacles? Will the devil try to steal, kill, and destroy? Will religion try to scramble your brains? Absolutely. Is it going to be a battle? Is it going to be... Listen, you're not going to sit in your lazy boy eating Cheetos, watching football, and prosper supernaturally. Not that there's anything wrong with football. There's nothing wrong with football, but you're not going to develop the kingdom mindset that is necessary to facilitate God's blessing and God's promise by twiddling your thumbs and acting like, you know, everything's going to come up roses. You have to align yourself with the kingdom. Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. All these things will be added to you. He was rich. He was rich with gold and frankincense and myrrh. He was loaded. Now I know the next part of the verse said, yet for your sake he became poor. Well, when did he become poor? On the cross. When he took every damnable thing that you would ever be, he took all of your debt, he took all of your distress, he took all of your discontentment. He took all of your poverty. He took all of your sickness. He took all of your... For your sake. For your sake, he became poor. You know what the next part of this says? So that you, through his poverty, might be rich. My, my, my. My, my, my. My, my, my. Well, Brother Ziggy, I don't want anything. All I want is Jesus. Listen, if you want Jesus. And we, religion, what does religion say? I'd rather have Jesus than silver or gold. I'd rather have Jesus than riches untold. You ever hear that song? We sing it like we have to choose one or the other. You know how I'd rather have Jesus? I'd rather have Jesus and everything else too. That, that's relig religion will try to get you to believe that you can't have Jesus and anything else. See, the thing is that you've got to have Jesus and love Jesus and serve the Lord and live for him. And when he blesses you with more than enough, you don't rely on the more than enough. You still rely on him. See, some, some people, you don't have a car because God can't trust you with a car. Because <laughs> if you had a car, you'd go to the bar. I mean, one, there was one time we were in a meeting. The Lord told me to give the offering back to the... We, we received an offering. It was a big service. It, we probably had 400, 500 people there. And the Lord, it was in St. Louis, Missouri. The Lord told me to give the offering back to the people in the church. 
so I told the ushers to bring the offering back out, and they brought the offering back out. I told them, take out all the checks. They didn't know what I was doing. You know, because people can't take checks out of there. They're written to the church. I said, take those to the back. I said, leave the cash. I emptied my wallet. Ted knew what I was doing. He emptied his wallet. And I said, Lord, tell me if you have a need today, you're going to take out of this offering. We're going to pass it back through here. Whatever the Spirit of God tells you to take out of it, take out of it. You know, I found out people don't, people don't have a problem giving. They have a problem receiving. Because of these lies that the enemy plants in their minds and in their hearts concerning prosperity and, and increase. Isn't that what y'all struggle with? Old Slewfoot jump on your shoulder and say, you don't need that. But you know, the Bible says whatever you desire when you pray. It doesn't say anything. Just to, It does say he'll supply your need, but it also says whatever you desire. God's loaded. God doesn't have to, God doesn't have to choose between what you want and, and the poor. God has enough to take care of you and bless. You know what? God has enough to bless you with more, more than you can dream or imagine. And he still has enough to take care of the poor. <laughs> Your car don't put a dent in the economy of heaven. Your purse, your shoes, your dress, your suit, your house. I mean, you can go buy the biggest, baddest house. I, I saw Michael Jordan's house in a video. Uh, some guy was, if Michael Jordan was selling his house. I think he, they said that he put $56 million into that house. And you were going to get it for a bargain of $30 million. He's going to take a 20-some million dollar loss on this house. You, you, listen, you want to talk about... This was Michael Jordan's. He had a basketball court. Up, Lewis. He had a full-size basketball court with a wooden floor with a Chicago Bulls logo in the middle of it. He had a house on his property for his friend to come stay at. Do you know, even if, you, even if God gave you that kind of house, do you know God still have enough money to take care of the poor? <laughs> in fact, you'd be in a better position to take care of the poor than what you are now. See, it's the devil that says you're not supposed to have nothing because if you don't have nothing, then you're not helping the poor. You've become the poor. Well, we're supposed to feed the poor. How are you going to do that when you broke? It's just the lie of the enemy. It's a vicious cycle. He just keeps you broke because he knows if he keeps you broke, he keeps you in the poverty line. You can never do nothing about poverty. You can never do nothing about the poor. Amen. Thank God. All right. Go back to the chapter four. I'm going to finish with this. Are you receiving any of this? Yeah. Some of you probably have questions. I'm going to let you ask some questions here as soon as I finish this thought. I know I've been all over the place, but anyhow, Jesus was loaded. He still is loaded. 
You ought to be loaded too. You say, how loaded should we be? You know, I, here's, here's the thing. I, I don't know. I really don't. I, all I know is that God don't want you, God, God doesn't want you stressed about your finances. He, want, he wants you to know that, that he's taking care of it. All right. You back there? It says, uh, so we established Luke chapter 4. We established it. What did we establish? He came to heal the broken. Why? Because the broken need healing, right? Simple pattern. <laughs> he came to preach deliverance to the captives. Why? Because if you're captive, you need delivered. Bring sight to the blind. Why? Because if you're blind, you need seeing. Right? Because the opposite of blind is see. The opposite of bound is free. The opposite of broken is healed. What's the first thing Jesus said he was anointed to do? Preach the gospel to the... All right, now let me ask you this, following the pattern. Follow the pattern. Follow the pattern. If he came to heal the broken, deliver the captive, and bring sight to the blind... What did he come to do for the poor? Good news. You don't have to be poor no more. Amen. Any questions? <laughs> Any questions about that part of it? <laughs> All right. Thank God. Tell it. I waited. Um, I have two testimonies. They're quick, but they're awesome. Um, the first one is about our family. Um, <clears throat> Tito lost one of his shoes here at church, so he needed some shoes. So we went to the shoe carnival all the way. It's far away from our house. We went all the way over there, only because we had a good experience there one time. And we were sitting in the back trying on shoes and everything. You know, you have when you have the money, but you really don't have the money for it, it's tied up, but you still have to get it. That's what the situation was. And there was a gentleman walking around, and he, um, he was walking around, and he kept looking at us. And it was kind of weird, but I didn't pay too much attention to it. And then he walked up to my wife, and he was talking about how <clears throat> he wanted to, he had a gift card that he wanted to give, get the kids shoes. And instantly, I, I didn't hear what he was saying, but I was like, hmm, what's going on? Is this a scam or something? And I'm one of those people that is hard to receive. And first, I was like, nah, I'm going to tell him no. But God was like, just calm down and listen. <laughs> and I was like, okay, okay, God. And I said, hey, what's going on? So he explained that he did some shoes for um, <clears throat> the shoe carnival, like he does custom shoes. And they gave him uh, a $200 gift card or whatnot. And he's like, well, I, need, I know your kids, you're getting shoes for your kids. I want to I wanna bless you guys. And I was like, if you want to bless this brother, that's fine. And I appreciate that. And I was still skeptical. And I said, uh, he said he was ready to go, you know, I'm ready to go up to the front. And I was like, well, my wife is, needed some shoes as well. She was going to get some shoes anyways. That's what we we're here for. And he's like, oh, yeah, that's fine. Um, so I was like, he's probably going to dip out or something like that while we're getting these shoes. 
So we went to go get her shoes. We went back up to the front. Lo and behold, he's up there. He um, paid. He, he wanted to get us more shoes, but I said no, only because he wanted to bless another family. And and uh, he paid for like $107 worth of shoes for us. Come on, Marie. Jesus. That has never happened to us, ever. And that was literally after um, I saw um, Bailey's post that she got pulled over by a police officer, and he let her go with the warning. And I said, Jesus, I need that to happen to me. Come on, and now. I need to be blessed like that. Come and on. And so that happened. And then the sad, well, I won't explain the sad thing, because the guy, he blessed the other family. The other family didn't even say thank you or anything to him. So, Because I, I messaged him that night on his Instagram, and I said, thank you so much. I appreciate you. And he was very grateful. I invited him to church. I actually prayed for him in the line. And I was like, I don't have anything to give you, but I'm going to give you some prayer. So we prayed for supernatural increase and stuff like that. Come on, so that was Jesus. the first uh, testimony. I got a great testimony today. Thank you, Jesus. I needed it. It was right on time. <laughs> it was right on time. And um, so I've been trying to get this job with the VA for the second time. It's been three months. The first time it's been like over six, eight months. Because the first time they gave me a schedule for the, to work in the ER from 12 midnight to 8 in the morning. I was like, that doesn't align with what God said. That doesn't align with me going to church and stuff. That's not going to work. I declined it. And I said, God, I really want this job. I need to be a GS. I need to I have plans. So today they messaged me, and I was super frustrated because they weren't getting back to me. But today I got a message. She's like, we're ready to give you your final offer. And I said, all right, give it to me. Gave her when I can start. And I said, please, God, let this align with your hours and everything that I've asked for. I was like, you know what? It's going to align. So we're scrolling through the thing, and he said, uh, the hours are 7.30 to 4. I'm not missing any church. Monday through Friday. I got the highest paid position Come in the on, job. Jesus. Out of 389 <laughs> applicants, I was chosen. Come on, Jesus. And I said, wow, God, uh, all this stuff you've been teaching me about patience is true. I needed, to, I, needed to just, I needed to just listen, give it to him, and just let it go. So that's, uh, that's our testimony. That's awesome. Thank, thank you for listening. That's awesome. Praise God. Amen. Thank God. Thank God. Thank God. Hallelujah. That's awesome. So I have two. So um, I am currently on FMLA, and this is my second month. And I'm not sure if you guys know how FMLA works, but typically they'll use your time. If you have any t PTO first, and then you just, if you have, don't have any more, you just don't have any more. It just, you know, secures you having a job. So did all the HR stuff. Um, my first day off was March 6th, <laughs> and I will return May 1st, and I had 164 hours PTO as of March 6th, and I still, so I basically didn't have, to, I'm, I won't have to go a day without getting paid. So from March, uh, I went in Friday to check, to talk to my boss and tell her I was gonna take another month off, and I still got paid and they never took my time or anything, so I was able to go in and use my PTO for this month, so I won't, I won't have to go a day without Come getting on, paid. Jesus. 
So that's super awesome. And then another thing, um, so I've been just, you know, chilling at home. And last week, I'm like, man, I really don't want to go to the store and, you know, get groceries. And so, so I got on Instacart and, you know, did the little whole thing. And I usually get alerts when the uh, card gets charged and I didn't get an alert. And I'm like, okay. So I go in and so maybe about around COVID time, we had gotten these little lunch cards for the kids and they had money on them. So we just still had them. You guys, we there was $400 on that card. <laughs> and there's four cards. Come on, Jesus. And I don't know where the, I don't, like, we got a letter maybe a year, over two years ago that they weren't going to keep. It was just a one-time deal. This is the third time that there's just magically been money on those Come cards. Come on, Jesus. <laughs> money coming. Hallelujah for them, them groceries. Amen. I'll tell you what. <laughs> Listen, y'all, y'all, I know... Here's, the, here's what some people say. Well, I don't want no charity. It, it, it ain't charity. Char Look, wait. Supernatural provision and increase isn't charity. That, see, that's, that's a, that's, that thinking is prideful thinking when you think you're above receiving. See, that, that's, the, the thing about giving is when you give, there's a sense of pride that you have that you did something. But when you receive... You have to humble yourself to receive. And if you Hispanic, that's real hard. That's real hard. We're prideful people, you know what I'm saying? But there's a, a humility that has to come. And that's a part of it is that God wants you to be a contrite and humble before him. Now, the Bible says if you'll humble yourself under God's mighty hand, he'll exalt you in due time, in due season. And it's true. Praise God. Any, que any questions? Any, other qu any questions? Anybody have any questions about that? I know I was a little all over the place, but I wanted to make sure that I at least talked about some of the, I mean, I think most of you know that the Bible doesn't say money is the root of all evil. It says the love of money is. Uh, but we're not lovers of money. We're lovers of Jesus. Um, it's more blessed to give than to receive. Well, you know why? Because when you give, it's given unto you. Good measure, press down, shake it together, run it over. So it, it, there, it has something to do with receiving. God wants us to be receivers. But if you're going to be a good receiver, you have to deal with the stinking thinking. You have to get rid of it, church. And here's, here's the deal. We're not... Um, I, I, I'm, I hesitate to say this because I don't want y'all thinking we get where we get hung up is that we don't want to be materialistic. Materialism is when you trust money more than you trust God. You trust stuff more than you trust God. <clears throat> Believe me, if you were going to be materialistic, it already manifested by now. <laughs> you don't have to have money to be materialistic. So don't be afraid. Don't let the enemy bully you with fear out of God's blessing. The enemy will try to bully you by causing you to fear what you'll be like if God gives you something. And uh, just walk through it. Work through it. God will help you. God will help you. You know what? You might get a little weird at first. There's, you know, there's something about being able to, like, uh, 
being able to get a new, and I'm just talking crazy here, but being able to get a new refrigerator. You ain't never had a new refrigerator. You know, you want to text them. You want to post it on Instagram. You know what I'm saying? You want to post it. You want to let somebody know. And, and some people are like, well, that ain't right. Well, it depends on what's in your heart. I mean, if, if you're like, you bunch of losers don't have you. You got your janky fridge, but bless God, I'm in the prosperity fridge. You know, that, that, that's, that's wrong thinking. Um, if you get a new car, listen, there, you ought to have a sense of accomplishment. If you've been riding around some old rattle trap, some, some car smokes out the back end like a mosquito truck, you know? Back in the day, they had these mosquito trucks would go through the neighborhoods where we lived and spray DDT. It's like a big smoke cloud would follow behind these trucks. Yeah. And some people, that's how their car looks normal, you know? They shut their car off. It keeps running for 10 minutes. Uh, you know, we, we've got, it's It's okay. I mean, you don't want to be looking down at people, be like, hey, look at you, you know, you know, commoner, you know, no, God, God don't want you doing that, but there's nothing wrong with you having a sense of accomplishment, man, we, we the shoes, man, I'd be like, thank God, they, how random is that, how random is that, and some people say, oh, it's a coincidence, you know good and well it wasn't no coincidence, Gil, because you've been storming heaven. And I know you have. Many of y'all have. You keep trusting God. Amen. No matter what the circumstances. I can't believe nobody has any questions. I'm going to give you one last chance, then we're out of here. Mary Agnes, you got a question? No, she has no questions. Annie used to have lots of problems with supernatural increase. Lord would bless us. I, Lord bless us, I bought her a car, and uh, it was a BMW, and she went to work with it, and you know what people said? How can you have a car like that? What does your husband do for a living? Because they couldn't fathom her being able to do that on the money she was making at the job, right? What does your husband do for it? Well, you know what? The devil's like, don't tell him. Don't tell him your husband's a preacher. You tell him your husband's a preacher and they're going to, wasn't that it, baby? She would like, she'd be like, he's in, he's in, he's in insurance. <laughs> Fire insurance. <laughs> Medical, fire, and casualty. <laughs> she... She didn't want to, stay, and, and she'd come home. Listen, she would, she would leave. What, one, what car Annie had before, can I tell this real quick? The car Annie had before was a Honda Civic with bad CV joints. Her friends used to call it the roller coaster because when she'd turn the corner, it'd go, you know, that click, the CV joint click. It sounded like when you go up the hill on a roller coaster. And so they'd say, we're going to lunch in the roller coaster. They had no idea. It, just, it made her feel bad because she got this janky Honda Civic. And uh, she'd come home crying. I hate that car. Well, I got her the BMW. She still came home crying. That's what religion does. When you broke, you ain't happy. When you prosperous, you ain't happy. Nothing can make you happy because you're plugged up with religion. 
And that's, she'd come home. She's driving a brand new BMW 5 Series, green 5 Series BMW. And she's coming home crying. I don't want that car anymore. You want the Honda back? No. <laughs> but what do you want then? Because the devil's still going to harass you no matter what you get. I said, baby, you, I said, you ought to be grateful to God. When they, when they ask you where the money came from, tell them you're rich. Isn't that what I told you? I said, tell them you're rich. Not out of pride, just it's a fact. People started asking me. They asked me, they said, how can you get that airplane? Because I got a lot of money. It's not a statement of pride, it's just a fact. You can't have an airplane without having a lot of money. They shouldn't even call them airplanes. They should, have, they should call them, you better have a lot of money. <laughs> That's what they ought to call them. You better have a lot of money because you're going to need it <laughs> to own it. <laughs> you, now, see, if you, if, you're, if you got a religious mindset, immediately in your mind, that's pride. No, I'm just, I'm just stating a fact. You can, I, I don't trust money. I trust in the living God. I don't love money. I love Jesus. Amen. If he asked me for that airplane tomorrow, it's his. Y'all know good and well that's true because I already gave him one back. He gave me one and he asked me for it back and I gave it back to him. He wants my car, he can have my car. If he wants my house, he can have my house. If he wants my stuff, he can have all my stuff. I don't care nothing about the stuff. I love Jesus. I found out when you love him, he will take care of everything that you have. Listen. If you want a steak, he'll give you a steak. If you want spam, he'll give you spam. God don't care. God don't care. Spam, steak. He don't care. God don't care whether you want a beat up old truck or you want a Rolls Royce. In, in, in the mind and in the eyes of God, it doesn't make any difference to him. What things soever you desire when you pray, if you believe you could receive them, then you can have it. Amen. Amen. Does any of that make you a better person? No. I've had every car I ever wanted. Except for the ones that would get me in trouble. <laughs> and I've had a couple of them too. <laughs> every, every last one of them, Gil, if I wanted it, if I desired it, all I had to do is just say, Lord, I really, I really would like to have that. Pretty soon it was in the driveway. Now, I'm only using that as an example. Don't get me, don't get me wrong. Because not, not, then people get this idea, well, I'm going to claim a car, and I'm going to go walk around a pink Cadillac, and, and I'm going to go to the dealership. And, well, you know, you might need to do that. But, um, but you can have whatever, whatever, whatever you desire. If you'll love Jesus, he'll bless you with whatever it is you need and whatever it is that you desire. Amen. All right. I've given you a chance to ask questions. If you speak now or forever hold your peace. And well, not forever. Until next week. Amen. Did this help give anybody uh, uh, more clarity, more insight? I know some of you, you said, well, we've heard this before, Pastor. Well, some people hadn't. And so I wanted to make sure that some of them heard a little bit of this. And I, I, I started out with that trying to trying to get people to get out of that stinking thinking. So uh, here's my prayer for you, though, that God will supply everything you need, that he'll bless you with all that you desire.
that uh, your houses will be paid for in the name of Jesus. If you live in an apartment, now, listen, if you live in an apartment, I'm agreeing with you for a house. For not just one house. I'm agreeing with you for at least two. I'm agreeing with you for houses and land. I know some of you are saying, well, you can only live in one at a time. Yeah, that's why you rent the other one and make money on it. In fact, I'm praying for some of y'all to have a house in Florida so I can go. Amen. Amen. You can stay, you can stay in my house in Puerto Rico. Amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. I, would, I was going to say California, but no, but we don't want to go there. Not right now. Hawaii. Oh, Shandai, the home of the Moco Loco. Glory to God. So here's what I declare. I declare houses that are paid for in the name of Jesus. I declare cars that run trouble-free. Cars without a car payment in the name of Jesus. All the maintenance, all the gas, everything supplied, every tire that needs to be purchased, uh, provided and supplied in Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you for an abundance of food in Jesus' name for your people. Where others are lacking uh, because of their faithlessness, Lord, we declare that the faith of your people is going to produce uh, 30, 60, and 100 fold in the name of Jesus. I thank you, Father. I thank you, Lord, debts are paid for. I thank you, Father, that credit cards this year be paid off in Jesus' name. I thank you, Father, student loans paid for in the name of Jesus. I thank you, Father, uh, settlements and obligations that need to be paid out, a uh, uh, legal obligation in the name of Jesus, paid for. Taxes paid for in the name of Jesus. Taxes paid for in the name of Jesus. We thank you for it, Father. We thank you, Lord, that you're supplying everything. And God, we will forever give you all the praise and the glory and the honor for all that you do and all that you supply. Uh, Lord, we're grateful that we have access uh, to those uh, things that, are, uh, that your word says are a part of uh, what you knew we would have need of. So thank you, Lord. Thank you for your blessing in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, did you receive this today? Amen. Amen. I know I was a little late, but I think it was worth it. Praise God. Uh, listen, I love y'all. Don't forget this week, um, this Friday is, uh, is, Hus is Bricktown. Bricktown Outreach. Uh, and uh, Saturday, we have our first outreach at the apartments down here. If you, if, if you don't know what's going on, if you've never participated, make sure that you come and join us. Listen, it's incredible. We just go, we share the love of Jesus with people. Um, I can see that the hats came, our hats came in. Uh, they are rather expensive. Um, we're not making anything, uh, any money off these things that we get, hats or shirts. We just uh, recouping what we paid to uh, get them. And sometimes we're not recouping, we're just, <laughs> we're sewing. But anyhow, uh, someone show a hat that if you have one, a winner's church hat, man, awesome. I love it. I'm getting me at least two of them. So, uh, but uh, make sure you see. Yeah, there's not very many. I think 30 is all we got. Do we? Uh, Hilda. She's going to put it on the app tonight. What is it? Is it 30 that we got or 60? 60. 